You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and if you've had anything to do with British comedy in the last two or three years, you cannot have failed to notice Louisa Omulan, who has been streaking ahead in the public consciousness and selling thousands of tickets to boot uh, by doing it all rather differently to the rest of us. Very excited to bring you this conversation. Here's Louisa Omulan. So let's talk about where you are. Let's start by, let's find out where you are now in terms of the show. You've just, what, 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 between which shows are you at the moment? A few weeks ago, I finished a run at Soho Theatre for a two-week run of Am I Right, Ladies? I've since had a couple of tour dates of what would Beyonce do, just one-offs here and there around the country. Um, I'm going back to the West End and doing my first few West End dates at the Leicester Square Theatre with what would Beyonce do. Okay. So that's what's happening. And, and describe the show for someone who's never heard of you or doesn't know anything about it. Uh, what would Beyonce do is my debut solo, Stand the Power, and it came from uh, moving back home at the age of 29, thinking that I'd be married, have a job, have a mortgage, have everything, not crying on my mum's kitchen floor in a onesie. My best mate came around, she was like, mate, you do know we're the same age as Beyonce. I was like, thanks, babe, thanks for the motivation. And then it came from the back of there, like, look where Beyonce is, look where I am. How's that, how's this... Okay. okay. How is everybody okay with this? Okay, that's the. I can tell by the way you're saying that because I do this myself. Yeah. That's the media pitch for the yes. show. That's the blurb that you said. How many times? How many times maybe have you said 100, that? Maybe a hundred. Maybe a hundred. Okay, because this show has been yeah. phenomenally successful. Yeah. Has it... you want the real, the real? Go on. Thingy. I was heartbroken. I was absolutely devastated and heartbroken. My career wasn't going well when it did too. Um, I felt like crap all the time. I was really depressed, uh, times suicidal, I felt really low. And the only thing that made me feel better was going on stage and talking about it. I get bored watching straight stand-up. I can't think of anything worse than watching an hour solo show. I literally want to shoot myself in the face. So I was like, do you know what? what people like music. People like dancing. <laughs> Why don't I add some music to these really depressing stories and pitch it either side with Beyonce music? And so the, the, the essence of I'm the same as Beyonce is there... But the the intonation, for, the intonation, the motivation for doing it was just depression. <laughs> okay, so what? So, I mean, there's loads. There's loads to talk about there. The let's talk about where you were. So you're in that place where my career isn't going mm. wh- where I want it to. What does it look like at that time? How many gigs a week are you doing? What sort right. of gigs? Are you I doing? see. Um, so I was doing maybe four or five gigs a week. Um, I would do well when I was freestyling. So when somebody said, and there's no pressure, so there was a gig at the exhibit on a Sunday, and there's an old man called PJ there. And PJ would be like, I don't know what she's going to be like, she's probably going to be shit. Louisa, do 20. And I, 20 minutes was a massive thing for me. Like, to do 20 minutes of material, I thought I'd never have. And then whenever he threw me into the deep end like that, I'd, I'd fly. Like, I'd have such a good time. I really enjoyed it. But when it was a case of, when you're younger in comedy... There's the real, there's the, um, I think, the whatever to go for competitions. Like, you go for competitions, you try and get the best new act and try and get an agent. That's your immediate thing. Try and get an agent. I think that's a, 
a, a, like a, a test of success is whether or not you've got an agent. And so, like, I'd enter these competitions five minutes and I'd bomb. And, like, if I was lucky enough to get through to the final, I would tank on my hole every time because I felt so much pressure because I was so aware that agents were watching that everything was on it. And so after four or five years of doing stand-up regularly and travelling from Farnborough, so it was like an hour and an hour back, two hours on a Sunday, doing that every night and temping every week um, and graduating before that five years previously with a first-class degree in performing arts where I specialise in stand-up comedy and... Uh, where was that from? That was what? at Salford University. Okay, you actually did... You specialise in stand-up yeah, at stand-up uni? Yeah, stand-up as a module, yeah. So I did my first gig at uni, like, years ago, back in 2005, I think it was. I graduated. And I did stand-up there. And um, I loved it. It felt so freeing. But I hated the pressure of it. I hated the judgement of it. So my first ever stand-up gig, um, it was a showcase from our uni showcase. And I was on with my best friend Zoe. And in the class, I'd always killed it, right? And Zoe, like, she was amazing as well. But they were like, oh, we'll put Louisa on first because you're strong, I'll have you open. So I opened and I did fine. I did well. Zoe came on a few gigs later. She killed, like, annihilated it. And I remember coming up with Zoe, right? And this guy that um, was at uni came up to Zoe when I stood next to her. I went, Zoe, you were the best. Oh, my God, you were amazing. You slammed it. You are my favourite of the night. You, you were the best. And I was like, and he was like, hi, Louisa. And I was like, oh, hi. Like, he didn't... He didn't, it was like I hadn't even been on that night. And it was so crushing that I was like, oh, you know what? I'm too sensitive. My ego's too fragile for this shit. I can't deal with this kind of competition. Like, with that kind of criticism, that immediate criticism. Um, but then the drive to do it wouldn't go away. The want to do it and to get up and to talk to people. Um, and what, what, is, what is that to you, the wanting to talk to people? What is it you want to happen is it something you want oh, from them is it something you want to give them it's just a connection yeah it's a gift you want to give them and they give you they give you so much I've only learned that in from my solo shows I mean you had it in bits when I did 20s I had it in bits where it's just a joy it's like it feels this is going to sound really stupid right this is going to sound stupid uh, and pretentious sometimes I feel like it's a gift like you have an energy in a room in your hands and the energy is powerful and you can feel it in your hands and you just let it go. Like, it's magic. Like, it's, it's incredible. And those moments are pretty, like... They're, like, life-worthy giving, I think. For me, anyway. So... I only found that, though, in the solo shows. So when you were initially... When you started doing that module, when you mm. started doing that course... What was it. it you expected to get out of stand-up then? What wanted, was it you were looking for? I wanted to do stand-up since I was knee-high. Since I was really young, I wanted to do stand-up. Like, I wanted to do comedy. I wanted to get up in front of people and make them laugh. Whether that be comedy acting, whether that be improvising, whether it be messing around with your friend, I wanted to make people laugh. I loved how uh, laughter... I think it got you out of feeling sad, obviously. It got me out of... It got rid of any seriousness. Growing up, we had such, there were so many serious things going on around me all the time. It was what, very heavy. what sorts of things? Uh, this is such a typecast, typical stereotype comedian. Um, uh, my parents got divorced when I was very young, and they had a very abusive relationship. My father was very abusive towards my mother, and we had lots of social workers around all the time, and people coming into schools and looking at our knees and our, see if we've got any bruises on our arms, to see if we've been abused, and taking pictures of us and all that kind of... And it was very hard it was very heavy and I learnt very quickly like if I imitated them I could make them laugh and that would ease the tension okay and that felt really nice to just have an ease of tension because when you grow up in a house where there's tension and stress you you beg for just that relief with that relief and was there was there any element of ego in it at 
at the time as well? Was it no, just as a no, pressure just, valve? No, as a child, no. No, not at all. As a child, there's no ego in it. As a child, it's just relief, like release, yeah. So I think a lot of kids, if they, if they sort of fool around and make grown-ups laugh, yeah. it's kind of they're looking for love. They're looking to notice uh, me. That's it, was more, it was more... Yeah, maybe there was a sense of... Um, uh, maybe there was a sense of, oh, I'm glad I pleased them, but it was more relief. It was more relief the tension. It was more like, oh, they're nice, they're happier now, that's good, they're happier, so we'll be happier. Okay, because what, so what, the they is the, your parents, parents yeah. or the people checking you people out for around, bruises? People around you, everything, like everyone around you. Okay. Like so the, adults in, the adults around you, whether so, it be teachers or your headmaster or your parents or a social worker or yeah. whoever it was, like whoever around you. Authority, I liked making authority laugh. There's, I think I've always grown up with a feeling that I'm the glue that holds my family together. Aww, yeah, that's a nice you know, thing, like yeah. I'm, I get on with the individual members of my family, and I yeah. make sure that they talk to each other. Yeah. I'm not saying it'd be a disaster without me. I yeah, just, yeah, in some yeah. way, I feel that's my role. Yeah. Do you think there was any feeling for you as a kid that you could fix what was going on, the breakup? Um. Not fix it. Um. Oh, maybe... I don't know. I don't think I thought that far ahead. I don't think you think that far ahead when I was younger. I don't think... Like, it didn't make sense. Like, it did make sense because it's all you know, but the emotion... We had to deal with such heavy emotions that were out of my remit that I would feel sad and not know why. <laughs> like, mm. I feel it would be heavy and I wouldn't understand. I couldn't say why. It just was. And, like, now I look back and you go, <laughs> of course you was like, look what's going around you. Like, no sure. wonder you're fucking depressed at the age of five. <laughs> like, and... I think I just liked laughing. I liked that feel. I liked laughing. And my mum, my granny, like my family's Polish. My granny's Polish, she couldn't speak any English. And I used to love doing impressions for her. Like I used to love just whatever was on TV, like I'd mimic it and she'd howl. And then she'd like, when she had her friends around, she'd be like, Luishka, Luishka. She'd be like, do the, I can't say it in Polish, I forgot it at the time, I understood. Do the whatever impression, and I'd do it. And they'd all clap and laugh. And I'd take a bow. And I was like, oh, I loved, I loved it. Okay, and what, who else was in the same boat as you? Have you got siblings, you said? Yeah, I'm one of five. Okay. Yeah, but none of them do anything like what I do. They're really, like, normal and grounded. <laughs> what do they do? Have they got, like, regular jobs? Yeah, regular jobs. So the eldest is a counsellor, like, therapist counsellor. Mm. The second uh, eldest is a computer programmer, computer engineer. I love the question computers. mark in your I voice. Know. I'm the same it's when like, I describe my sister. Right. She does stuff. She does something with IT. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what he does. Something to do with computers. Um, then there's me. Then there's my little brother, Martin, who's uh, who works in, like, like does, like, gym stuff. Does looks at, He likes going to the gym and stuff. That's his main thing that he does. And then my little sister, Asha, who is a physiotherapist and just bought her first house at the age of freaking 22. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks for trying to, yeah, we know who's the favourite, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> is there, is there, uh, what's your relationship with your parents like now? Um, my mum is amazing. With my mum, it's phenomenal. She really likes standard. It's amazing how much she gets. Like, she's not in the industry at all. But, like, whenever I'll be crying to her, because I'll be like, Mum, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going in my life. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's normally a week after a run at Soho Theatre. Because normally, like, you have a run at Soho Theatre. I had the best days of my life. I'm on such a high. And then after about a week, the adrenaline left my body and I'm crashing. And I'll wring her in tears and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. She's always, like, she just gives really good advice. Like she's like, I think it'd be good for you to maybe get a routine. Maybe you should wake up in the morning and make yourself some nice breakfast and then go and exercise and then... You know, think about writing. Like, you shouldn't be waiting for 
for agents or anybody to get you anything. I think it's important. Look at Madonna. Like, Madonna just worked really hard, and I think maybe that's what you should do. Like, creating things, creating... Why don't you go on the internet and put some things on the internet? That's a good idea. Why... And I'm like, okay, so, yeah, like, thanks. <laughs> that's really good advice. She knows, but she doesn't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's nice. Yeah. She's just a mum. Mums know. And do you, do you still have a relationship with your dad? Not really. No, he doesn't, he doesn't really approve of what I do. He okay. doesn't really... Uh, he never supported it. He mocked it quite a lot. So now, now I refrain from telling him anything. Why is that? Because I don't want him to piss on it. He would. Okay. He would. And it, you, presumably, you, now you're successful at it. Like you're doing really well at it. You would. I mean, is there an is there an element to which you you want to kind of go? No, this is mine. You yeah. don't get to celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally that. <laughs> totally that. <laughs> it's totally. I remember because I've been wanting to pursue this game for years. And I remember graduating with a first at uni, right? And uh, I did performing arts as a degree. And uh, there was always competition. Oh, this is getting very perfect. This isn't comedy anymore. This is just a therapy session. Um, I get that. I, I get uh, accused of that a lot. I do. We'll this keep going horrible. for as long as you want. Oh, and you can sad. pull out whatever you cry. want. It makes me want to cry. Um, so uh, my brothers did um, BSc. So they did like bachelors of science degrees. And um, there was always... My dad's quite men rule the world. Like, he's quite, men rule the world, women have their place. He's, that's his kind okay. of opinion on things. Uh, men do, you know, like, for example, like when I was younger, I used to, and it was one of the boys' birthday, I would do a surprise party for the boys. Like, I would always draw a sign, do a surprise party, get the party rings out. Like, I'd do a surprise party for the boys. And then on my birthday, I had to do a surprise party for myself. Like, he wouldn't get one of the boys to do it. Like, I'd have to... And I didn't mind, like, it was cool. <laughs> like, so I'd draw my own sign. And I'd be like, and then, like, I'd go get my dad, like, it's ready. And he'd be like, all right, guys, come on. Happy birthday. And I'd be like, hi, guys, thank you. Oh, surprise. <laughs> like, I'd, that's kind of his school. So when I graduated, with, with, there was always competition with the boy. He didn't like that I was pursuing acting or comedy or funny. He didn't like that. And the boys pursued maths and science or whatever at university. And they got like a third and a two-two, whatever it was. Like they got like crap degrees. And I remember when I got my first, he was one of the first people I ran because I was a bit like, you know what, up yours, like you've never supported this, and I've got a first. And not only did I get a first, I got like the highest first at my uni in a long time. Like I got like straight across the board first. And I'm ringing him, and I was like, I got a first, I got a first. He's like, well done, darling. I was like, yeah, first. See, and you said that I couldn't. Look at the boys; they didn't. They only got a third. And he went, yes, but they got a BSc. You got a BA. Don't think I don't know the difference. And oh I went, my god. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Great to talk to you, Dad. Bye. <laughs> and he, he's very good at, just, yeah. And so when I started doing stand up. I went to his house, we tried to make amends a few times, and uh, I went to his house, and he just mocked it, he was like, yeah, be the, be the clown or whatever, whilst the kings have their wealth, be the clown that can be executed at any time, like, you know, like these his riddles. words, he sounds yeah. like a Shakespearean yeah. dad, yeah, 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 oh my yeah, yeah. god, he talk, about Victorian he talks, values. Right? He talks in like riddles like that, he can talk in riddles. And so, now I've achieved everything I have, I just don't want him to touch it.
So this is Louisa. I- I'm going to let the interview speak for itself, but she's pretty inspiring, right? And I find whenever I talk to her, we, we just have these conversations where we both walk away with about 100 new ideas and, uh, and not enough time to implement them all. Um, back to Louisa in a second. First, uh, a couple of quick things to advertise for those of you in Dublin. Uh, remember on the 3rd of December, uh, Dave McSavage interview at Trinity College. I just announced that Dave McSavage interview. What I mean is, come and see my Dave McSavage interview. At Trinity College, Dave McSavage, as you'll know, uh, some of you will know him as the bishop from uh, the movie Calvary. Uh, Some of you will have been verbally abused by him in Temple Bar over the years uh, and at the Edinburgh Festival. And and some of you will have seen The Savage Eye and also his stand-up work as well as his um, very successful sketch show. So uh, December the 3rd, come and see that. On Monday, the 15th of December. Now, this is um, this is not me inviting you to a thing that I'm doing. This is me suggesting that we go on a little group Christmas trip. If you're up for it, uh, I'm going to go and see my friends Slightly Fat Features in their show, Variety Soup. Um, that's at the Leicester Square Theatre in London. Sorry, it's a bit London-centric, but hey, come on, we've just done a Dublin thing. I tried to get out and about. Um, I, I thought it would be good to make this uh, a special Christmas trip. If you're a listener of the show, you want to meet up, have a Christmas drink, and go and see... Something that is not stand-up comedy, but I think is very, very inspiring and funny. And I've seen this show several times in several different iterations, and I love it. So join the Facebook group for Comedians Comedian um, to see who's buying which tickets for which seat. Some of you I know are very organised. You've already been all over the internet and planned what you're going to go and see. Um, But uh, yes, even if we don't end up sitting together, I thought it would be nice to have a drink beforehand and say hello to you all. And uh, and that would be quite a fun Christmas thing we could do. So uh, the show's called Slightly Fat Features in Variety Soup, and we're all going on Monday the 15th of December. So hopefully see you there. Uh, let us know on the Facebook group and uh, join the gang. We'll come up with some group plan nearer the time. Um, and we've got a special double live recording with the Comedians Comedian podcast and Chris Martin and Carl Donnelly's podcast. That's at the Phoenix Theatre in Cavendish Square, also in London. Sorry, everyone outside London. Um, that's on Sunday, the 21st of December. And I've got here 7pm and then three question marks. So that suggests to me that we might need to double check that a bit nearer the time. But Sunday, the 21st of December, um, certainly let's say mid to early, early to mid evening. I don't know when, when seven, just evening, isn't it? Um, Sunday, the 21st of December, come and see Chris Martin and Carl Donnelly. You'll know Carl has been on the show before and uh, Chris has not. Ha! <laughs> They're both dear friends of mine. So that's a special double live recording with the Comedians Comedian podcast and Chris Martin and Carl Donnelly's podcast, Sunday, the 21st of December, 7pm. So get along to that. Um, it's I don't think tickets are currently available on the Phoenix website, um, but uh, they will be soon. So have a, have another look there. Um, now, listen, before we go any further, obviously I'm going to thank you for donations and stuff like that, but because <laughs> that's that's my normal method. But I just wanted to share with you a problem that I'm having, <laughs> which I've completely trapped myself in. Um, I, as many of you know, have a beautiful girlfriend who lives in Bristol and I live in London. And as a result, I spend a lot of time on the M4. Whenever I'm in Bristol and I stay over at her house and she has to get up much earlier than I do in the morning because she has a real job. Bad news for her, good news for our future children. Um, (laughs) That's not an announcement, by the way. They're they're hypothetical at the moment. But um, every morning, she she has a couple of toy owls on her bed. And every morning she gets up and goes to work. And then I have to get in the car and often drive back to London or work in Bristol, hot desking and so forth. Hot desking, incidentally, I've discovered. That's something I've got into recently. uh, Self-employed people might be interested in that. Hot Hot desking is when you have orange plastic chairs. 
And uh, past light bulbs, like you get in a pub and you pay £20 a day. That's how that works. Um, but it uh, stops you from going mad. I go out to do that. But on a day when I know that she's going to get back home from work and I am not going to be here because I've already left to go back to London or gig somewhere else, I try and take these little toy owls of her and I do a little thing, right? It's a cutesy thing. Look, fuck off. Just forgive me, all right? The point is this. It's a little funny creative joke, right? You get you get the owls, you put them in a new shape. You can't repeat a thing. That's one of the rules. You put them in, the, you know, they've been the dancers from Top Hat or they've been, <laughs> Christ knows what, they've been in little army scenes. One of them was a wizard at one point. They played some uh, sort of spirits in a very, very intertextual one that she didn't quite understand. But the point is, it's a nice little thing for her to get home to and go, oh, look, I remember I've got a boyfriend that might be terribly emotionally unstable, but at least cares about me enough to do this. But now, this is my problem, dear listener, I've run out of things. I must have done, I must have done 50 or 60 different versions of these, and I'm running out, and it's got to the stage where every morning I'm waking up worrying that, oh God, what am I going to do with the owls? And <laughs> it just struck me that, well, it struck me, A, that I'm insane, but also that this is, that's quite a good metaphor, isn't it, for the creative process? Like, I'm only doing it to make her happy and to make myself happy, to sort of feel fulfilled and to feel like, hey, this is a, this is a fun thing I can do. Uh, and now I'm worrying about it all the time. And I'm waking up going, oh God, I've, I've got to leave the house soon. I've got all this admin to do, but... What am I going to do with the owls? <laughs> That's not a million miles away from the situation I now find myself in as a working professional comic where I have to sit at a cafe and think to myself, yeah, the only reason I'm doing jokes is because I love them and I want to make people happy and make myself happy. But, oh, God, now I've got to think of some jokes. Um, <laughs> there's not really an end point to that sentiment. It just struck me that maybe you're, maybe you're all involved in your own owl-based struggles. I don't know what the solution is. Send me your ideas. That can't be it. No, no, no. I'm not going to start crowdsourcing the fucking owls. But um, there's, um, there's, there's, something, there's something in there. There's something in that about the artistic creative struggle. I'm like Samuel Beckett for owls, right? <laughs> That's enough of that. Thank you for your donations, everyone. Um, I use them to buy owls. <laughs> I don't at all. Uh, your donations in support of the show can be made at comedianscomedian.com by seeking out the tiny, barely visible PayPal button. It's a fun challenge. And entering your own amount. Whatever you think the show is worth to you, I, of course, respectfully suggest a pound a show or 20 quid, whatever you like. And whenever you donate, remember, you are helping all the other listeners who can't afford to. They and I are both very, very touched. Now, if you're using Patreon, and I know many of you are, you can click on a micro payment to me at patreon.com slash comcompod, or you can just walk up to me at a gig and pretend to fall over, and as you do so, firmly plant £20 in cash into my pocket and whisper the donation code phrase, don't give it to the owls. <laughs> uh, for everyone that would like to support the show but can't afford to send me the cash, uh, remember, you can always go to the Comedians Comedian podcast in iTunes and give the show a five-star rating. That's actually much more helpful than you might realise. It really helps to keep the show visible, and it means other people who don't currently know about the show can get to enjoy it sometime soon. Thank you for all your feedback on the Ross Noble episodes. Um, you too can let me know your thoughts on Twitter at ComComPod or by e emailing info at comedianscomedian.com. That's all the donation, admin and owl administration for now. Let's go back to Louisa Ogula. Let's talk about the positive yeah. elements of it. Let's 
Just describe it a little bit more in details. We'll, we might come back to some of these sort of things because I think there's... I mean, something you just said, you had to make a surprise party for yourself yeah. when you were a kid. That sounds... That strikes me like a very good description of your show. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's a surprise party, isn't it? Don't you think? Like, it's you. It's just funny. you yeah. motoring this explosion of yeah. music and colour and sound and you're yeah. getting people up and yeah. dancing. And it's all about yourself. It's all yeah. about you... Yeah, so thanks, Dad. You, 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 you really helped me out there. I can make a profession out of this. Well, you wouldn't know, be alone right? as a comic at doing that. I you know. know, right? Exactly. So let's, let's just talk about the, um, the way that your show works. And as I said, I've seen the first show. I look forward to seeing the second when I can. Yeah. Um, but I saw the first show in the Underbelly in Edinburgh this year. Yeah. So it was like it was a it was well run in by then. You yeah. knew what it was. It was in two is that, years. Ago. Is that the biggest space you've done it in? Um, yes, it was like I think two hundred odd seater. So yeah. Yeah, and your what, what was the first environment that you did that show in? As as we would recognise it now. Um, I took it to the Free Fringe uh, before I had any industry interest or any agents or anything like that, and I took it to a room above a pub that held about sixty people. And the stage was just opposite the toilet. And I did it in a room there. And Because uh, I play music myself, so I play a Beyonce song and then I talk about jokes that are related to the song. And um, I'd have my iPhone in a remote-controlled radio dock so that I could do the music myself. And um, I'd get people in, sit them down. And a lot of the things that are in the show, like now that I think love it and make it personal, make it mine is just off the necessity of doing off Free Fringe. So when people come into the show, I'm on stage already, prancing around, dancing to my music. Um, and then um, I get an audience member on stage and I get them to introduce me. That wasn't meant to be part of the show. That was just from being the Free Fringe. Being like, guys, can you come in? Can you sit there? Right, can you sit? Can you bring that music like? That was just from getting everyone organised and sat down, being on stage. And then being like, well, I can't start in that. I've just sat you down. I can't start any... You, what's your name? You need to come and introduce me. Right, so you need to stand there and introduce me. I'm going to go back here and you introduce me. And like at first I'd have this glittery top on as they'd be coming in. And then like one day at the Meadow Bar in Edinburgh, I was cold, so I put on a jacket. Right, and I had a jacket on. And then I was like, oh, I haven't taken my jacket off. And I was like, oh, no, I've got a good idea. So I was like, you introduce me. So they introduced me. They played the song. And then it goes, da 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 And then like, I ripped off my jacket, swung it over my head, and threw it at the audience. They were like, wow! <laughs> it was so, so cheap budget, but so... Like, it's beautiful, because it's so... Like, in the moment, it was just... And, and those things have all... They've all stayed and become very intrinsic to the show. And what is it about those things, do you think has made them so important to the show? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Why? why um, because what you do is so specific. Is that, I'm, not, I'm yeah. really looking... I'm having this conversation yeah, yeah. and looking forward to the rest of it. <laughs> there's so much to say. But your... Um, yes, absolutely, your show is full of those moments where it's almost... Well, I don't want to say what I think it is. Why do you think those bits... Why do you think it's the sort of show that embraces those bits? What is it that works about those because for the audience you have? Uh, because it's... It's the attention to detail. I just said, for me, it's the attention to detail. Every aspect of me being on stage. No line is wasted, no breath is wasted. No, I know every intonation, I know every pause, I know every aspect of my show. In that Beyonce show, I know every line. So from the moment you come in, you're in my house. And in my house, we have, like, it's my party. And so I think that's why people really relate and they, and they jump on board. And also, another thing is, I think, when I do 20s... 
it gives people more time to get on board with me so I can do well. We're in a five-minute set. Often, well, it used to be the case that for five minutes, they'd just be like, she's just, I just don't get her, she's mad. Like, I just don't get her. And what's lovely about now is having the time. Like, it already it, it establishes the rules for the rest of the show. This is what the rest of the show is going to be like. It's going to be ridiculous. We are going to be doing dancing. It's going to be playful. I'm literally taking off a Primark jacket to reveal my mum's sequin top that she sewed for me. Like, it's budget, but it's beautiful. And that establishes the rules for the rest of the show. That's interesting. It's budget, but it's beautiful. Because yeah. I was going to say, I, I think my take on it is that there is a certain DIY quality to it. Yeah. Where despite the fact we're in a massive venue filled with light and colour <laughs> yeah. and music... When I wrote it, I didn't think I'd be there. Though. No, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, on the, on the version yeah, yeah, that, that yeah, yeah. Is, as it exists now, yeah. doing the West End runs and yeah. all the rest of it, that's what we've got. But you're not... Like, you could, if you wanted, get, I don't know, carried out in a sedan chair or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but the nature no. of what you do is such that you need to be vulnerable. Yeah. So you need to say, ta-da, oh, yeah. hang on, wait a minute, we've got to do that again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you yeah, see yeah. what I mean? Because totally. there's something about that that programs the audience to go... Oh, she's one of us. Yeah, totally. Because your audience is you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I've never been in a, a comedy show oh, that had the same yay. sort of um, feel to it, but certainly I've never seen a show that had the that that spoke to young women. I know, right? What? I, my, honestly, the biggest note I wrote on the way out was, "Why is no one doing this?" Right? You know, apart from yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. There were people, you know, you're doing stuff about, like, at one point you go, give me a cheer if you've graduated. Yeah. And everyone goes, woo, like that. Like, I've never, that's, that, like, you're representing that as an achievement. That would be impossible for me to go on and go, give me a cheer if you've graduated. You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? But to you, it's like you're going, sisters, bitches, whatever, yeah. you know, you're making that connection with people who previously have never had anyone talk directly to them. But this is why I think it's there for the taking. This is what frustrates me now, that I can't play to bigger venues to more and more people, because I'm like, what do I have to do? Because I am, I think, the only person doing this. I can only, it's only me can do this show, and I love the show, and it, it's, I think it's rare. What I get out of my audience, I think, is rare. I think I'm very lucky that I get the response they that I do. They love you, and like they, they they're themselves. not just laughing. Because I tell you no, what, they, this... Yeah. Uh, and again, we've got to get ahead of ourselves, but something in, in your show that I... Like, there is some excellent stand-up comedy in your show. Some really Thank excellent you. stand-up comedy. For me, as a bloke who isn't part of your <laughs> demographic necessarily, I have to say, my response was, oh, I wish I could just see an hour of the stand-up comedy because really? you're great at stand-up comedy. Oh, thank but you. But then I, at the same time, I get why, why yeah. all the pumping music yeah, and dances yeah, 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 and crowd yeah, yeah, interaction yeah, yeah, yeah. is there. Because that turns it into a, a thing that is... Yeah. Well, what, what does that do? It turns it into a thing that's bigger than the thing? Or yeah, what? Like, I think it's big. Like, it didn't start off like that. It didn't start off that raucous. Like, I've learned to make it that raucous. And it's, it's amazing, like, how beautifully it lends itself to that. Like, I kind of hit on a genius thing that I didn't know was genius when I did it. <laughs> do you know what okay. I mean? Like, at the time, I was just like, guys, I just get bored. I'm just going to play a Beyonce song. What's this yeah. crazy in love? This will do. Like, I didn't, I didn't even... And then just as the show went on, then people started really liking the music. And I remember I did this gig and um, I previewed it loads. I previewed it loads. Um, because uh, my friend had just signed to Off The Curb. Susie Ruffle, great comedian. And uh, I was like, oh, what do I need to do? Like, what do I need to do to get signed? What do I need to do with this solo show? How can I... She was like... And she was like, mate, you just got to promote it like you are off the... Like, promote it like you're already with an agent. So that's yeah, exactly what okay. I did. So I was like, I'm going to work as if I've got a big agent. So that's what I did. So I previewed it like 33 times. 
And I did it at this, um, I did I used to do it at Top Secret Comedy Club in Common Garden. Know it well. Yeah, so I was one of the first people to do previews there. So this whole six o'clock preview, that was my thing, that I said, oh, can I have it earlier? And he started giving me six o'clock on a Tuesday. This was about two, three years ago now. And so I printed off flyers on a flyer. And then my friend Delia, white girl, came to the show and she brought maybe four or five of her friends, black girls, all black girls. And they came and I did the preview and these bitches lost their shit. They went crazy for the music. Like, they really, like, I've never seen what the white audience do. And then as soon as I saw those girls do that, I was like, of course, like, of course. That's what I need to be doing. I need to get those, I need to let the audience know that they can lose themselves in those music sections. I need to let them know they can do and I hadn't even thought of that before because before it would be like when you see audiences go to watch like gospel choirs in Edinburgh where it's just a white audience you've got this gospel choir singing amazing <laughs> and like you just such got this, a good analogy do you know what I mean you've just got this audience <coughs> this white people just sitting there and then politely lots of white middle aged people going yes hooray for Jesus right and looking end. nervous totally, and awkward totally yeah, totally okay. when you should be like wow like joining in okay and so and so then I started doing that but it was only after I think after Edinburgh and doing it at the comedy, I hired the Comedy Cafe Theatre, and I did it for an eight-week run there, free, every Tuesday. I was just like, I just wanted it to get accessible, I wanted it to be out there, I wanted people to know who I am. And I was just, yeah, I just made it more, I just made more of the music bits, like I danced in them. I never used to dance in the music bits, the music bits, they just used to play and just stand there, like an idiot. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, my body's doing more delicious for me, there you go. Okay, guys, on to the next section, and then it's just become fluid. This is incredible because I think I, I think you have happened organically upon, or as you've described it, mm. certainly, I mean, I think you'd agree, yeah. you've stumbled upon yeah. a way of doing things that there's almost, an as, there's almost an element to which if there was some Svengali figure thinking, how do we attract... Yeah. young women yeah. they'd probably if like Simon yeah. Cowell applied himself yeah, yeah, to this yeah, yeah. he'd have come up with something like this mm. do you know what I mean and it would it would there would almost be like um, uh, like it, you, one could contrive this sort of atmosphere yeah. and you've stumbled upon it yeah. and just actually been out but gigging on the road yeah. and made the yeah but it's organic and it's grown but it's grown from the but it's also because I've done training like I did training in clowning I did training in improv I did training in sketch writing I've done stand up so all those things come into play, though. So, like clowning, like, you know, like it's, it's, clown, it's clowning, it's, it's making connection people, it's raising tension, leaving tension, it's, it's playing the fool, like it's being funny without saying anything. So all the dancing comes into all of that shit, like them coming in, I'm dancing on stage, little eye here, little like allowing yourself to just breathe in the space and making them laugh. It's all part of it, which I think makes it beautiful. And that's why when that... Um, See, I think it should be like a big musical. I think it should be like a massive... When that I Can't Sing, the musical came out, and they were like, all oh, Spice Girls, Viva Forever, the musical came out. I'm like, what are you doing? You need my show. Like, my show's the musical for your audience. Don't you get it? My show is what you need. Yeah. Because they lose their shit. And wh- which are your favourite bits to do? Do you prefer it when they're losing their shit to pop music, or do you prefer it when they're laughing at your jokes that you've written? Oh, no, it's both. It's it, like, it, the two go hand in hand. Like, they, they don't dance the music and not laugh at my things. When have they ever done that? I'm sure they have done that. I think, <laughs> I think, in, Montreal, I think in Montreal they we, did that. Everyone's allowed a duff show. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think in Montreal they did that. And, uh, but in London, in London, I'm very lucky. It's, yeah, they lose their shit on my but show. Wh- wh- but which do you get the most pleasure out of? Because presumably... Oh, it's my... Yeah, my... It's, your stand-up? Yeah, of course. So does it ever... Do, do you ever think to yourself, I could do an hour of stand-up? 
Or do you think that now your career is inextricably linked with being the person who also has a DJ? Uh, oh, for me, it's my kind of stand-up. For me, it's exactly the kind of stand-up that I want to do, so I wouldn't want to be any different. There's no, there's nothing in me that goes, oh, I wish I could be, I wish I could do this. Oh, what's the one thing that raises all the energy and makes it electric and unique? Let's take that out and see how you, like, no, <laughs> why would I do that? Like, I find it weird when I do a 20 minute set, I find it, um, 20 minute set, I'll either do really well, very well, they'll jump on board straight away and they get it. Or I'll just be like average and I hate or die, like obviously. What sort oh. of places are you doing 20s in at the so moment? Like in clubs, like. Well, what kind of clubs uh, like are you junglers, like Top Secret, like Excess Malarkey, places okay. like that. And are you what? How do you enjoy that circuit? What's your relationship to the circuit? Because I oh. see you as someone who has kind of done, just kind of bypassed it. Like, look, I'm not bypassed it exactly, but do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like we, in that way that comedians always feel like, oh, we're all, you know, we're on the same level, and then someone streaks ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you sort of, I think everyone. I remember Mark Watson saying to me years ago, you spend all this time trying to get on the circuit and as soon as you're on it, you just can't wait to get the hell off get it. Get off it, yeah. And you look like you've gone, I won't bother with that. <laughs> yeah. Bang, straight West End run, Soho, <laughs> weeks at the Soho Theatre. What's, what's your relationship to the, the circuit at the moment? It's painful. It's really painful. Tell me about that. Because um, I haven't had as much practice on the circuit. Like I'm not, so like now I'm doing more and more 20s. And I'm enjoying them, and they're fine, and I need to work harder at them. Like I, but now my standards are so high that I go... Like, I did a 20 at um, Frog and Bucket the other day, and I did fine. They loved it, and lots of people came up afterwards, and they were like, oh, you were great, we loved it, you were amazing. But I was like, nah, nah, you didn't... Because you're didn't, used to having I didn't get a standing 400 ovation. people exploding. I didn't get a standing ovation, yeah. yeah. You didn't stand up. And <laughs> that's really bad, you're like, I didn't get a standing ovation? No, it was shit. <laughs> that's quite it's hard because you go you don't have to get a standing ovation every time when you're doing a 20 mm. are you doing music cues as well or are no. you just doing the stand up no just do the stand up so what is it that they're standing up for in the big show is it because I've taken them on a journey I've picked them out out of their seats I've swung them around their heads and I've put them back with a kiss on their cheek and they go wow thank you yeah and it releases them it's everything not everything I don't know the feedback I get from them is, oh my God, that's my life story. Oh my God. Like, I make them laugh and cry. I find it very can't you tell? But can't ways. you tell them their life story in a club? Can't you connect yeah, in a 20? Yeah, I can, but it's just a different... It's a different skill set. Like, in 20, you've got to come out... I haven't figured out how to make it as electric as my show yet. Mm. And I think that's what I'm finding. Like, what can I do? And sometimes, when, a 20, when I nail it, like, I annihilate a 20. But other times, it'll just be like, yeah. And I hate, I hate average. I hate average. I'm just going to challenge you here for yeah, a second. Do. do you... Do you... feel that? I feel like Princess Diana. <laughs> well, that is not in question. As <laughs> anyone who's ever seen any of your shows will know. <laughs> do I feel you... feel like this is that famous interview. <laughs> the there was, one. There was look. three of us in that relationship. <laughs> That's what I feel like this is. <laughs> do you feel... That the accusation could be levelled at you. Ooh, that all go. of the all of the the yeah. DJ music, all the rest of it, yeah. is kind of cheating. That that's what? what they're standing up for. Are you joking? No, go on. Are you joking? Are you serious? No way. From the perspective of of someone who does 
purely stand up. Like, yeah. I, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm yeah, not yeah, letting yeah. that accusation out. Oh, I think thanks. it's an interesting nice thing. To... Really feel? No, no, no. I, I think this is an interesting yeah, yeah, thing yeah. to talk about, given what we've just. Uh, what we've the just show covered. content, I think, speaks for itself. And like you said earlier, I've got really good jokes in it. Like, I'm a good stand-up. I am a good stand-up. You're a great stand-up. But, like, the show content speaks for itself. And the story's in it. It's an intelligent story. And it's got a narrative. It's an intelligent narrative. And it's emotional. Just because I package it in a way that's accessible, I don't think people should be fooled or mistaken for thinking that's the reason that it's done as well as it has. Because if that was the case, people would just, I don't know... Listen to a CD at home, like, what do you need me to... I mean, there's loads of clubs around the corner. There's plenty of comedians would start playing pop music in the middle of their 20s and yeah, smash it. Yeah, like, like, and it's not... If that's how it works. Yeah, and I don't think that's... I don't think the reason that they... I could take the music out and it would still be an excellent show. I think the music um, is just another facet to tickle them with, I think. It's just another aspect to, to go with them with. It's that same thing, isn't it? When you see musical comedians, you go, oh, well, it's easy to be a musical comedian. Like, of course, it's easy to get a laugh when you're a musical comedian. You've just got to sing uh, bar and bar and everybody laughs. Like, if I did that in a joke, it wouldn't be as funny. So I hear you. I think I definitely get the um, energy levels up. So maybe it's cheating by getting the energy levels up by playing the music. Maybe that's cheating. But then, like, like I give a fuck. Like, please. <laughs> like, whatever, whatever you need to make yourself feel better. Yeah, it's cheating. So... Going back to the the circuit gigs, is mm. that something that you want to? What are your What are your ambitions regarding the circuit? Do you want to play the comedy store? Do you want to have? I mean, do you need the circuit when you're traveling yeah, the world? Yeah, because doing that's how hours? you make. No, because that's how you make. That's how I've got to get good. I want to be Britain's hot, funny woman. I want to be the poster girl for the, for the women that I'm talking to in com- like as a comedian. To do that, I can't take shortcuts. Like, I'm, How is that I'm, a shortcut to be doing your own show in the West End? Because I have to go back to the circuit. Like, I have to be able to play the circuit. I have to be able to get my jokes tighter and sharper and to the point quicker. Like, I have to be able to do that. Like, there's lots of people that said, oh, you don't need to do it. And you go, well, mate, how do you think I wrote these two shows? I didn't write them just by sitting on my head going, oh, let's listen to some Destiny's Child classics. Yeah, this will do. Nah. Like, it's from gigging. It's from hard work, gigging. Like, don't think I haven't worked hard. It's gigging. But then you, I marry it. I'm good at putting a show together. One thing I can do is put a show together. I could not what... <laughs> disagree with that. Holy shit. And what is it, what kind of decision... We'll talk more specifically about the stand-up decisions, the writing process in yeah. a second. But what, when you are putting a show together, because you, you, you self-direct yeah. the shows, you make all the decisions? Yeah. Does anyone give you an outside eye no. or do you just go, bang, this is the no. vision? No, so I, I do all of it. I just preview the life out of it. A preview, preview, preview. And in between the previews, how much are you changing from one to another and how much are you going out? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. There with a script on preview number one and sharpening it. What's the... Oh, no. Like, it has to be, like, so... Like, I might go out with number... Like, preview number one and be like, okay, this is the material I want to try, and I want to try this visual gag, right? And we'll go out and try it. And then the next preview, I'll be like, 
I'm going to do this whole preview in mime. <laughs> Let's, see. <laughs> Let's see how this works. And then really? Went, I mean, yeah. Is that, really? Yeah. When did you do that? Like, like with both. I'm right and Beyonce. You just go out and you just go, I'm just going to do a clowning section for 10 minutes and see what happens. But I'm going to open with it and see what happens. And then, and then like your third section, you might go, oh, this one, I'm going to try a song as a punchline. Like I'm going to set something up and use a song as a punchline. And then your fourth preview, go, hang on a second. I put the mime bit in the song and then I open with a joke at the beginning. Oh my God, guys, it's coming together. And um, yeah, that's kind of how it so, works. So let's talk about the writing. Which, which bits, which stand-up bits, or which bit would you say you're most proud of? Proud? Uh, proud of? Oh, no, there's my babies. No, they're all important. Well, you know, pick, pick one that, you, that gives you a lot of pleasure to do. Let's, let's kind of talk about one from, oh, from the Beyonce show. From the Beyonce show. Um, I like saying... I like saying... Oh, what my favourite joke from Beyonce? I like saying... I say... Um, I do this metaphor about swimming in the ocean of life and the swimming in the ocean of life is really hard and wouldn't it be easier if me and you... and I point, like I imagine this guy then, wouldn't it wouldn't be easy if me and you were together in some kind of structural feature. Would you look at that baby? It's a boat. Wouldn't the ocean life be easier if me and you were together in that boat? We could sail anywhere. It'd be a lot easier. That's a that's a relationship boat, is what that is. I think that's a relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like sometimes that gets a groan, sometimes that gets a laugh. But probably my my favorite jokes that I like saying is what I say. <laughs> the guy trying to like I have sex with the guy. I don't know his name, so you're just calling him hun. He keeps calling you babe, whatever. And the next day, he'll text you. And does the message ever read along the lines of, I don't know, hi there, Louisa. Uh, yeah, I actually found out your name when I Googled beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like, that's, that's a joke. That's a, that's a joke that I love saying. I love saying Googled beautiful and just doing a face. And the others are like, mm. And then I say, that's my favourite joke. When I wrote it, I was so excited. I was like, yay, well done, me. Hmm, you could have a biscuit. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love, I love, I love how, commenting on my own jokes and the thing. <laughs> how much, how much of that is instinctive and how much of that did you, did you write? Oh, no, is that, it's, that it's, just it's fall out of your own stage? Yeah, it's all yeah. instinctive. And, and they're, they're, they're the bits that I love, I love playing. I love doing. I, I would say that your, your stand-up, one of your great strengths is that you are brilliant at changing status within the show. Ha, like you're kind you. of, you're the one they're all looking up to and then suddenly you're as vulnerable as the most vulnerable of them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. that stuff like, great, I'll reward myself with a, with a biscuit. Biscuit, yeah. Um, are there any other, I mean, what, what are, what, I was going to ask about sort of a, a kind of techniques, we, we might get onto that, but what other, what other things do you think are your strengths? Uh, being honest, I think, is a strength. Being honest and vulnerable on stage is a strength. I, I, to- I would totally agree so with I that. So I would say that's my USP, I guess. So like in my new show, am I right, ladies? I, um, I've got spanks underneath my clothes, and so I come on stage fully clothed. And then I play <laughs> where I carry all on for Christmas. <laughs> and I take off all my clothes. <laughs> and I run around in my spanks. And then they all think, all I want for Christmas is you. They all point at me. <laughs> like, thanks, guys. <laughs> like, and I love doing shit like so that. So you're being incredibly vulnerable on yeah. stage. Does that feel vulnerable to do, or do you feel like you, you only do it in an do you know environment really where you, funny? you've built no, that? No, do you know what's really funny? Because I was like, so that, so that section, and then I'm ruining it all. Please still come see the show anyway, because it is amazing. 
Um, I pull my Spanx down. So I'm in a bra, Spanx and trainers. I pull my Spanx down. Well, I go into my Spanx. I go, oh, Louise, that was embarrassing. Why would you do that to yourself? Like, to the wall. I'm like, oh, that's so embarrassing. You're such a dick. Why would you do that to yourself? And then I start pulling my Spanx down. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why? Are you... Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And I pull my Spanx off. And I'm standing on stage in my knickers and a bra. And I look at the audience like I'm nervous. And then I say, I do this line about my thighs touching each other. And it's a visual thing. And I do whatever. And the audience go, wow. And they love it. But what I thought is amazing is there's no way if I was in a bed with a guy, would I be seen dead? <laughs> like, standing in front of him with my bra and knickers with the amount of swagger that I managed to do on stage. <laughs> Not in a million years. Not in a million years. Stuart, you won't see me doing it. Like, on stage in front of, like, 200 people, I'm like, yeah, I'll stand in my knickers and my bra. And what? Conviction gets you through a lot. But if I was at home with a boy, I fancy, I'd be like, yeah, um, I just need to, um, I just need a sheet. Like, oh, look, sexy sheet time. Do you, just, we're just talking about the difference between you yeah. and on stage. Yeah. You. Because it isn't a character, is it? No, it's not a character. I hate it when people say that. I feel more of myself on stage. I feel more myself on stage than I ever do in real life. It's so nice. It's and so do nice. you are you jealous of your on stage self? Does does your on stage self have a kind of a have more fun than you do? Um, she does. I'm, I'm grateful. It's almost my... it's it's almost like a like a superhero transformation. Oh my yeah, it totally is. I think uh, I think I prefer my life on stage. <laughs> that's tragic, isn't it? It's not tragic. I well, think... that's tragic. No, it's not tragic. tragic. No, it's I, tragic. Think, I think it would be true of a great many comedians who perform. Do you think so? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I prefer my life on stage than off it. Like, because like I talk about in the new show, like, I open, I say, um, you don't realise how lonely it is, guys. Like, you don't know. Like, I come off Soho Theatre when I get standing ovations, and I'd be like, wow! And I'd come out from backstage and be like, oh, um, I'll just get the bus home then. Yeah, no one wanted to stay for a drink. No, why would you? Like, then I get on the bus. And that's what I've been doing the last two years. You have these incredible shows, like in London specifically. Out of town is difficult. Out of town, you're playing to very few people, and the the atmosphere isn't always as electric in London. It's always oh, it's just a pleasure. And you have people come off, and you can see you've made an impact on them. Like they've got the rosiest cheek, they've got like the flushed cheeks, and they're all wide eyed, and they've got tears in their eyes, and like they've either been crying or laughing, and they hug you, and you're all sweaty and smell, and they all want pictures. And they're like, oh my god, thank you so much. That was the most amazing thing. Oh my god, you're amazing. And then you're like, oh, I'd literally just, I'll just get on the bus. And then you're on the bus and you're like, oh, I just got a standing ovation today from 400 people. That was nice. I'll just go and watch Criminal Minds. And that's hard. That's, that's the hard. That's the thing I've found. That's when I ring my mum crying. Because I find it very hard to go from, wow, to, I'll just put the electric blanket on. That'll be nice. I think other comics who regularly get standing ovations from 400 people probably deal with it by becoming alcoholics or taking yeah. drugs or yeah. hanging around and fucking loads of groupies yeah. or what have you. Are you do you drink after shows or you, do I, you just extract yourself? I, I like cosmopolitans. <laughs> I've never done drugs. I don't like drugs. Never done drugs. Don't really sleep around. I wish I'd slept around. I wish I slept around. Oh my God, what I would give if I wasn't so frigid and a weirdo. 
Um, what what come on? What what's going on in that sense? I don't know. I just had I haven't had sex in like two years. I haven't had it, and it's too long now to just sleep with anybody. Like, it's too long. <laughs> I left it too long. Like because I wrote the show Beyonce. I just uh, not just well, I thought I'd broken up with somebody, but according to him recently, we never had a relationship. So who knows about that one? Um, and uh, I was heartbroken. Like I've never been more heartbroken. And then I tried a few different guys and it just didn't work I hated it I wasn't ready to and then I poured myself in the show and like well look what's happened two years later like I'm still doing the show and then I was like oh my career's just taken off and then <laughs> my social life has just dwindled <laughs> I have no social life so I'm trying to make more of an effort that's something that I've been key in the last few months especially to be like get a social life try and try and forge healthy relationships and it's rare anyway any guys that come to my show they're normally attached to a girlfriend I was going to say, you. this is a, a perennial... Well, I don't know if it's a problem, but it's it's a, a, a way in which women performers have a different... Ex- one of the many yeah. ways in which women yeah. performers have a different experience than male performers. Yeah. There aren't loads of hot guys afterwards <clears throat> desperate no. to get into your pants. No, totally. Like, this is what I remember saying to... <laughs> you totally said that, like, if there were, you would have taken advantage Mate, of that. are you joking? Like, I would have gone all over that. But, like, I don't... I'm like... I don't know why, like, hello, you've seen my vulnerabilities. I don't know why you're intimidated. Hello, I was naked on stage. What more do you want? Like, come on now, give a girl a cuddle, Jesus. But they don't. I don't know. Yeah, I remember getting with guy friends, me and Josephine Lacey, we always have this joke, like, like a guy will come off stage and girls will be at the door being like, let me suck your dick, let me suck your dick. Like, I'll come off stage and they'll try and correct me on my material. And you go, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and you go, really? Really? Thank oh. you. Thank you. No, thank you. You're like, oh, you dickwad. Or, like, comment on the size of your earrings. Oh, fuck off. No, it really annoys me. It's been nice. The girls that I get to my show have been lovely. Like, a few times, I've had girlfriends come up to me, and they're like, just so you know, my boyfriend said he would love to fuck you. Or he totally would. And I'm like, oh, babe, thank you. And then I hug her. And then he just stood there like, hi. Uh, I thought I was there. <laughs> and me and the girlfriend have a moment... Because I think that's so nice of her to tell me that. Why? Why do you? Do you think? I don't know. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's that way around for, what, for female performers? Why do you think? Are they are guys no intimidated? Idea. I don't know if intimidated. No, I just think that's. I think that's um, not weakening the man. I think that's not removing responsibility. I think that's what's the word? Underestimating guys. I'd like to. I'd like to think that that's not the thing. I think please, you can't. What's there to be intimidated by? 2014, stop being a dick, come on, say hi. Like, I think the right person, well, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know why girls... Sometimes I think... Sometimes I think behind the scenes, uh, girls have had to maybe work harder in terms of a more emotionally mature... Here's my generalisations now. Emotionally mature. And uh, they're good at under the cover of going for what they want. So, like, if a girl really fancies a guy and the guys are interested, a girl will know all the games under the sun to play to get that guy. Whereas a guy is very... I see that, I want it, I'll get it. Like, there doesn't seem to be any game playing or any... Like, there's no boarded chess going on. So I think when it comes to coming off stage, because maybe the status is that, oh, I run things, it would be rare for a guy to be like, oh, yeah, I'll get that. Whereas a girl would be like, oh, yeah, I know you run things, but just so you know that, like, if you wanted something, then I'd put something back home for you, just if you wanted it, you know. But, like, yeah. obviously you're the boss. Okay, there you go, here's my card. Like, so, so what you're saying is that guys don't have the kind of sophistication yes. to to approach a strong woman. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I think that's what I'm saying. I don't know. Yes. 
I will go with yes. I wonder if, because what you're doing on stage is mining sort of pain, really, mm. and turning it into comedy. Like, I think those are your, your strongest moments. So that, mm. that, like I said, with the status and with your mm. own weakness, your own vulnerability, mm. it's, it's the pain of you going and, and them all agreeing with you mm. as you go, fuck, this is so unfair, why is it like this? Yeah, that's why I love my, I love my ending of Beyonce, which I don't want to talk because I don't want to spoil it because my people ending. But I love my ending to Beyonce of being... Like, that's the other thing. Like, I don't know how many comics do it. That's what I love about comedy. It's like, the end of my, I'm literally on the floor. Like, I don't pretend to be. I don't, I don't, I'm not a woman going, oh, this is it. Oh, you know, I felt a bit awkward. I was a bit sad. I was a bit depressed. Ha, ha, you know, when you try to kill yourself. Ha, ha, ha. Like, I'm literally on the floor. Like, I'm literally crying, like, on the floor, going, <laughs> like, it's like, I purposely make my face as ugly as possible when I'm crawling down the wall crying. I purposely make it as unattractive and as, if I can get snot down my nose, I will do. The amount of times, because at the end, I, I slide down and I, Sometimes I cry, like I go over there. I used to cry when I do that. So I used to have tears. And I, I hated it, but I loved it. Because you could see the audience go, like, ah, oh, they were so with you. And then the elation of coming up from that, that's why I think they stand up. That's actually the reason they stand up. It's because I've taken the elation. Because they're so fucking behind you to be like, you fucking get up, mate. Yes. Like, we got this. We got you. And that's what's really nice. I remember once I was doing the sad bit. And the sad bit at the end, it needs a lot of tension. Like, when I do it perfect, when it works, it means the room's full and you can hear a pin drop. And it's really sad. And I'm sliding down the wall. And I'm crying and I cry. I'm crying. <laughs> so idea. They're so fucking crazy. Sometimes you get... I've had a few times where they go... It's a, like, you can hear a pin drop. It's really silent. And a girl will go, Forget him, babe! He's not worth it! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll just do my finale and then I'll try. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so, I'll just try and yeah. recoup all yeah. the tension you've just pricked. <laughs> but, like, it's lovely because they're so... So if they heckle, I've been quite lucky. If they heckle, it's always a heckle to do with the show. It's seldom a... Your shit, not in my show anyway. In my sets, oh yeah. But in my show, <laughs> a heckle is always like, you don't need him, babe, come out with us. We'll buy you a Cosmo. <laughs> like, it's like, it's very lovely. Is there, she's harking back to something we were just talking about a moment. Is there an element to which you, your desire to nail the circuit is a desire to prove that you're proper? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like I'm trying to fix a square peg into a round hole sometimes. Sometimes I go with the comedy circuit. Because you go, I don't know what more I've got to do. Because I've got these two shows that are really successful and people love them. But how do I get them out to more people? What do I need to do to get more people to know that I exist, that there's comedy specifically talking to them? Not excluding middle-aged white men. You are all welcome, yes. But I'm just saying that it's inclusive of people that comedy normally isn't necessarily targeted or aimed for. And what have I got to do to do that? You've got to get on TV. Well, what TV do you want to do? Do you want to do panel shows? Well, no, not really. I don't want to do panel shows. So then you either write your own sitcom and you develop something or you do on stuff like Live at the Apollo. How do you get Live at the Apollo? Well, you've got to be nailing it in the clubs. You've got to be showing a good 10 minutes. You've got to be showing a good 20 minutes. Okay, cool. But I get standing ovations from people in, in an hour. Like, why is that not good enough? <laughs> like, what do you want? Like, write a show. Write a good second show. Okay, so I'm right. Like, I've written a good second show. It's as good as my first. It's been as 
acclaim. If anything, what second show got better reviews than Beyonce. So then you think, oh, I've got to do the circuit. Just, to, I just want my shows. I want to do. I'd be very happy if I just had shows that were sell out up and down the country every day of the week. I'd be very happy if that's all I ever do. <laughs> if that's all I do, yeah. you want to aim any higher? <laughs> no, that's all I ever do. I'd be very happy. So I think the circuit. The circuit is, is a means to an end. Yeah, my favourite. My, my, I would do stand up anyway, but my favourite stand up, maybe I'll get my wish, is not to do open mic circuits, but to do, I guess, new material nights where you're 20, but you're not paid to do your best 20, where you get to do a 20 to a full room and you can just play with them and you can just do what you want. And there's no, oh, we have to judge her and what would we use for this? Just to play with an audience and that instant connection, I would do that any day of the week anyway, like regardless of anything else. Do you resent the competitions? Do I resent them? Well, um, not. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's no, some, the no, way you now, said being judged and those kind of like oh, negative I see. feelings. Yeah, being judged, not being judged in um, in in a stand-up club. I mean, like being judged in a stand-up club. I mean, because you'll see. But pe- this is the thing with stand-up. I think people are quite quick to criticise people like to bring you down especially I think in this country we've got quite a we don't like to see anyone doing too well and I noticed it so much with my second show in my first show I got so much love and support from people yeah, yeah. so much love and support like I think because people underestimated me and didn't see me coming and they were like oh she's the underdog yay and they got behind it and with the second show there was a clear difference in people's attitudes to the way they talk to you. Even simple things, like people you don't know, coming up to you and be like, oh, hey, you're doing well. And you're like, oh, hello. Yeah, I'm Louisa. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> like, they don't... Yeah, there's that kind of... And, like, you'll meet them at a gig or you'll go to a gig and you've got to go up and do a set. And you could just... Maybe I'm being paranoid, but you can just sense there's a bit of a... Oh, yeah, I heard you got that the other week. Yeah, I heard you on that, yeah. Yeah, how did you get that then? Oh, okay, cool. And you go, really? I would happily tell you how I got it. I would happily tell you how I got all of it. But I much prefer somebody that comes up to me and goes, oh my God, I'm so jealous of everything you're doing. I wish I was doing it. How the fuck did you do it? (laughs) Than someone who kind of sidles up. Yeah, Yeah. any day of the week. Because I felt jealousy all the time. You're joking, I was so jealous. I get it. Who were you jealous of? What was you? What were the... Like my peers. Like my peers. Which people? Which people are we being... Let's be specific. What kind of... When I, was, when I started out, I remember when Susie got signed to Off The Curb, I got really jealous. I was like, oh my gosh, Susie's been so... Because like, we were gigging all the time. And Susie's a brilliant comedian. She absolutely deserves it. And now, I feel bad that I was... a Because, she, like, now I've like you go, actually, all our times will come. Like, we'll all get our own time. You just have to work for it. It will come to you. You just have to work for it. But I remember being like, oh, what do I need to get to one? What do I need to get to one? Oh, Susie, what do I need to do to get one? And I'll be like, cool, and I'll be like, what do I need to do? Like, yeah, but why did they not ask to see me as well? Like, why are they not seeing me as well? Like, I'd get really... I didn't like it. Even now, like, even now you get jealous. Like, I look at Live at the Apollo. Like, I looked at how many comedians looked at Live Apollo that lined up today and went, oh, OK, they're on it. Oh, OK, they're on it. Yeah. Why am I not on it? Well, I've done them. Well, I've done those gigs. Like, I gig with them every week and I do better than them. Why am I not on it? Like, and you are you get it. Are you, using, are you using that jealousy to... Or those feelings, are you using them to sort of drive you or are you letting go of them and no, doing No, you let go of them. I used to uh, be bothered by them because I wasn't doing well and I wasn't getting far and I was feeling frustrated at the age of 28, 29, being like, how much longer do I have to keep working towards this industry just for something to click, just to even to get signed or something? 
in any form of comedy to do something because I felt like I've been working for a long time since I was really young. And did you feel like it. you deserved it and you weren't getting it? Yeah, I was like, no, I'll tell you what it was, Stuart. It was, I felt, I felt like, I swear I've got it. I swear I've got it. So why are they not noticing that I've got it? I swear I've got it. Like, I swear I've got it in me. Like, look what I do with an audience. I swear that's, that's a talent, right? That's a talent. Why is nobody seeing that that's a talent? And that used to... And were you, were you at the time, were you writing lots of... Were you doing all the things you thought you had to be doing? Were you writing lots of emails? Were you inviting agents to see you? All the you? time. Were you... Were you joking? All the time. Yeah. All the time. But Leap, from graduating, even just trying to get, like, a, an acting agent or a comedy agent and doing stuff, and then be like, OK, I'll, do my, I'll set up my own sketch trip. OK, I'll do YouTube videos. OK, I'll, do, I'll, do, I'll throw as much shit into the wall as I can. And be like, what have you got to do? And then you get people signed, like, from, you know, done three gigs, and they got signed. And you go, what? And they're like, oh, we can tell they've got star quality. And you're like, why can't you say my star quality? What, what's your feelings now, looking back on that time? Do you Thank think God. that you Thank did... Thank God I didn't get signed. Thank God I didn't get signed. Thank God everything happened exactly as it did. Because now, well, I don't know about now, but a year ago, <laughs> a year ago, it was all in my hands. I was holding the cards. Uh, maybe I'm still holding the cards. I hope I'm still holding. I don't know. I don't know. I still so. holding the cards? Yeah, I don't you know. Look like you've got a few cards. I don't know. Like you. after the second show, you just—I think because the first show was life-changing. Like in terms of, I became full-time. I could move to London, and I just people would respond to emails like people would ask for meetings people would come to the shows and they'd love it and what's amazing is once you figure out what you want to do and how you do it well I didn't give a flying monkeys about the industry coming I didn't care I just loved how good I felt with that audience so I was like oh let them come and they're like oh <laughs> like Debbie Allen my agent always gets really annoyed with me because she's like Louisa we need to let these industry in we need to give them comps and I'm like no why should they get comps they want a ticket they want to pay it's a sold out show they want a ticket they can pay right they can have one comp they can pay for the rest and she's like uh you're not famous enough <laughs> <to me." laughs> and I'm like I know Debbie that's your job so can we <laughs> so um yeah it's really nice and also when it it just feels right. When it all comes together, I just think it feels right. That year after Beyonce, everything just felt right. I was glowing and happy and everything just felt right. Everything just worked. Do you think that you <clears throat> had star quality that they weren't seeing at yeah. the time? Yeah. Why don't you think, now, looking back, why don't you think they were seeing it? What was it that made other people because get signed and not the industry's you? stupid. <laughs> For those of you that can't see, Stuart just gestured his hand and said, no, please, have more rope to hang yourself. <laughs> <That> <laughs> have was, more rope. I, I hope my mind wasn't like that. My mind was, uh, I think that was an unconscious thing where okay. I get told off for going, uh-huh, and yep, too much. Oh, I see, so I was it? just trying to say, oh, keep talking, but I don't feel like I can say something. The industry, I think. Not all the industry. I, I mean, I, I love personally, the and I've said it on the show many times, I don't believe the industry exists. So don't oh, really? feel that, yeah, absolutely. Don't feel that you're going to damage anything. Well, maybe, by, that's, you know. maybe that's the point. Maybe well, that's the point. Tell maybe me that's about the being stupid and then we'll so go and kind of come back like, around you to kind of, I always felt like there was this big fortress of all these gatekeepers and to get in, you had to like dance, you know, with the right number of steps and they'd let you in or look right and they'd let you in. And like, I never could figure out the dance. And I'd be like, but I'm, I'm dancing as hard as I can, but they're not letting me in. And then, and then you achieve everything with your show and you meet some of the industry and you go, oh, you literally don't know what you're talking about. Oh, Okay. All this time I've been begging for you to get me in. 
You just don't know what you're talking about. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and how is it, do you think, that, that there are people in the industry... But that's not all industry, beings. <laughs> Thank you so I, much mate, for... Listen, any, any industry person listening to this worth their salt will be nodding right now and going, yes, all those other dickheads don't know what no, they're talking about. No, but you go, oh, you don't. And then it's like, it's like you see it in Edinburgh, like... Even things like nominations and things, which I'm over it now, guys. I'm not bitter. Like, I'm going to be. Yeah. Did you? I don't follow them in, the, in that much depth. Did you? Ne- you never got nominated. Never got for nominated anything. for okay. Beyonce. Never got nominated for Am I Right, Ladies? And then, like with Edinburgh, there's that kind of, oh, this is the person that's the next big star. This is the person that's the industry or whoever it is says is the next big thing, and great for that person, but it has a habit of making it look like there's only one place. And there's really not. There's really not. There's, I think there's room for all of us. And um, I don't like that exclusivity. And I think industry is scared and they hold on. And I think a lot of it's shit. And it frustrates me now. This is why I'm finding it frustrating now because now I am in a position to work with industry. And I guess I've got to be careful because I don't want to come across as ungrateful or any of those things. And I'm not. But like, you go for meetings with people. And they go, we love what you do with your show. We think it's amazing what you do with your show. That atmosphere you create in your show is amazing. We'd like you to take that and put it into a TV format. What we'd like you to do is present a TV show. But obviously, um, because you are a woman, we would like to put you with two male counterparts that have got some celebrity status. So here's somebody from Big Brother in 2002. And we put them with it. And you go, okay, <laughs> like, how can you expect me to create everything I create in my show, if you're putting me in a format with... My show doesn't work because I'm with somebody else. Like, it works because I work... I think they're scared to take faith, and I think as soon as one person jumps on, the rest of them jumps on, as long as you do a good job. And that's where I think... I'd love to see industry have a bit more... Be a bit more assertive, be a bit more risk-taking. There's some phenomenal acts on the circuit, phenomenal comedians, and I wish sometimes they'd go, do you know what, you three that aren't famous, but I've seen how well you get on, I see how you can annihilate rooms, I see your, like, the audience that you're playing to, we'd like to see something from you three. And you don't need to be attached to somebody that's a celebrity in a different field. Not even a stand-up. You're talking about, a, a, and I say celebrity in inverted commas, somebody that's a reality TV star in a different field and they put them with you and I get it like I understand it it's because you know I think channels are scared and they want to get, it's all about viewings it's all about ratings and viewings but then all I ever hear is people complain about what crap there is on TV all the time and then you see what gets commissioned and you go oh well it ticks all the boxes so you've got a name in it you've got this but is it is it memorable I don't know you must be hopeful though that when you find the right thing it's going to explode. Yeah, but I don't know what the right thing is. Because now I guess I kind of, not lost faith a bit, but you just go a bit, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I've done my life. I want to do live. I had a, a production company that I was meeting with for 18 months, off and on for 18 months. They name-dropped me in a, in a comedy uh, TV conference with lots of industry as a future face of comedy. They name-dropped me. Meeting to do my own Louisa show, Louisa show. And then in September... They, uh, they dropped me, they dropped the development deal because uh, they're focusing on more male-driven sitcoms. And you go, oh, wow, <laughs> OK. <laughs> You're not even going to try and dress it up as something else. No, literally male-driven sitcoms is what it is. OK. And it is, it's, so then you go, what do I have to do? Do I have to then 
Do I have to put my name to something that I don't believe in that ticks the boxes and play the game a bit in order to raise a bit of profile to then be able to do what you want? I think that's my thing. I haven't played by the rules, as it were, with getting to where I am. I didn't do it through industry. I didn't do it through connections. I did it on a free fringe in a room of a pub and through word of mouth and sheer hard work. And so now I find it very hard to play by the by the rules for the next step. Yeah, I wonder if there's, a, there's I think, a school of thought that says if you want to be on telly, you've got to do whatever telly there is in order that you get recognised as being a person who can do telly. Yeah, yeah, there and is And so that. that's what you're looking at at the moment, is going, yeah. do I retain... I, I, I completely see... I completely see where you're coming from, and I think that's a really difficult decision because in order to put you in front of something that they've spent 200 grand on, or whatever, I'm plucking the finger yeah. out the air, you know... Um, I guess commissioners need to know that you can do telly. Yeah. And so you need to find a way to prove to them you can do telly without it being you but next without, to some mug. But not doing even that, but just but without it without it undermining anything that I've built on the live circuit. That's my key thing. Like I'd love to do telly. I'd love to do silly telly, fun telly. But I don't want to do anything that and I work too hard at my shows. My shows are brilliant and they're smart and they're intelligent and they're funny and they're playful. And they've got, they're full of heart. They're really emotional shows. And that's really key for me. I want to take that heart into everything I do. I want to have that heart in it. And that's the tricky thing, is finding the right... So hopefully, when I find it, it will take off. Um, we'll see. Do you know I've got an American agent? Did I tell you that? I've got a signed to an American agent, a manager. I don't know if that's worth... Go on, let's talk about that. Cause, oh, yeah, because Caroline Ray, is yeah. it? Yeah, Caroline Ray came to see my show in Edinburgh. Yes. She loved it. So, growing up, well, I didn't tell you earlier, when I did the impressions of my nan, it was Sister Act, it was Sister Act 1 and 2. So I used to watch Whoopi Goldberg, and I was like, I want to be Whoopi Goldberg. I love everything she did. I love how she made me feel, and I loved Whoopi Goldberg. So, anyway, so Caroline Ray, Sabrina, the teenage witch, uh, Aunt Hilda, uh, she's in Edinburgh. Karen Corrin, uh, the lovely Karen Corrin at Gilgit Balloon, um, invited... Caroline to come see my show. I'm upstairs at a bar. I've got my shirt on inside out. Caroline Ray comes up to me and she's like, oh, look at you. And she starts undoing my shirt. And I'm like, oh my God, Aunt Hilda's undoing my shirt, guys. What's going on? This is so random. She puts, I'm back to front. And I can't do her accent, but she was like, oh my God, you're brilliant. She's like, look at me, look at me. Um, I'm your Christmas past. No, I'm your fu- Christmas future. You're my Christmas past. I'm your future. And then she's talking to me, and she's like, what do you want to do, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, she's like, who's your inspiration? I was like, oh, Whoopi Goldberg. No, 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 I didn't tell her Whoopi Goldberg, my life. Take that back, I've told this story too many times. Then she goes, you need a producer, you need your show produced. Your show should be huge. You should bring it to America, your show should be huge. Have you got a producer? I said, no. She goes, I'll tell you who'd be great to produce your show. I said, who? She goes, my friend Whoopi. I was like, shut the front door. She was like, Whoopi, let me email her now. I was like, you're taking the fish. She's like, no, I'm going to email her now. She emailed Whoopi there and then with a screen grab of my website, emailed it to Whoopi. I lost my shit. I was like, oh my God, the Goldberg is amazing. And then the next day, I walk into the bar and Caroline's like, Louisa, stay here, stay here, stay there. She gets her phone out. Stay there, stay there. Yeah, yeah, that girl I was telling you about. Yeah, I've got her here. Yeah, say hi. And I took the phone and I went, hello. She went, Louisa, hi, it's Whoopi. I was oh like, my ah! God. Um, And she was like, oh, what do you do? Like, she, she goes, um, I've heard so much about you. I've heard so much about your show. From my friend Caroline to ring me from Edinburgh, tells me everything I need to know. Why don't you come out to the States and bring it over here? Maybe myself and Caroline could produce your show for you. 
And I was like, thank you very much. That's awfully kind. Uh, it's lovely to meet you. Uh, have a lovely day. Bye. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. And um, I nearly meant to meet her a couple of times. It just never quite worked out. It hasn't quite worked out yet. Okay. So I've been to America a couple but of times But you went, since. okay. And what yeah. was the experience of going? You, you did your show, Yeah, I did a show. So um, uh, in LA first, I went with Debbie Allen. And myself and Debbie Allen, um, the lovely Debbie Allen, got me a theatre out there. We put on my show and we invited loads of industry. And I signed to an American agent off the back of that. And then we went and put it on in New York. I did a couple of runs in New York. Um, and then I got invited out to do Montreal Comedy Festival and do 10 nights of my solo show out there. And then... From that, I got signed. I signed to an American manager. Um, so I've done it a few times now, the states, and it's a different response. It takes them longer to get on board with. It's well, it's the same as here. It's the same as starting here. The first few shows are quiet, and by the end of the run, you've got them kind of cooking. But it takes a while because they don't like here. They come knowing what to like. They'll come in the door dancing. Like yeah, they'll come yeah. in the door dancing. They'll be like, "Yes, babe." <laughs> like, yeah, because they're, they're they're there because their friends have told them to yeah, be there because yeah. they described the show exactly. Yeah. So they know what. To, whereas in America, they're like, um, "Who is this girl? Why is she so confident? She's not skinny enough to be that confident." <laughs> and you're like, "What up, bitches?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so hopefully go out there again. What I'd like to do is write what would Beyonce do, the movie. That's what I'd like to do, like turn my show into a movie. So I'm trying to like somehow... Well, do you see, that? that is classic Louisa Rogeland because <laughs> what you've done there is just instinctively thought, why don't I completely bypass TV? <laughs> In the same way as I'm bypass the circuit, you're going to smash it. That's exactly what Stuart, you should do. you're wooing my ego, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. So, but yeah. that would make perfect sense because off yeah. the back of a movie, you could tour forever. Tour forever, and then all my dreams would come true. And then true. you'd be doing the movie and you'd be kicking around going, oh God, I just can't get any telly. I know, I can't right? get on BBC Three. <laughs> Why can't I get on BBC Three, guys? Yeah. I know it's not the same having a sold out premiere um, <laughs> yeah like my my, um, my American manager she's lovely she's very cool her name's Tatiana what up Tatiana and um, she's she's very cool this is like Debbie this is the thing like with industry like, she's like just write it like just write it like do it like we can do it just write it just write a treatment we can get it in front of people just write it and have you? Uh, no, I need to get round to it I keep, I keep procrastinating what, you need to get around to it because you're busy driving to Jogger's Cardiff? I know, and going to Bikram yoga classes for the first time today. Um, it's, a, it's only the last... It was about three weeks ago. We were talking about... Because I was talking to her and I told her about this um, production company that dropped the development deal. Because a few TV thingies have said, oh, let's make what Beyonce do into a sitcom. But I don't necessarily like the idea or the... The way it's going, like it's it's more like they want to do it. Like I've had a few people suggest be like, what we can do is we can have you walking down the street in like glittery, like um, what you call it, uh, like high waisted shorts, and be like, I am Beyonce. Why am I like Beyonce? And I'm like, well, that's that's not really like I get it because in my show it's a bit like DIY like that, but that's too that's too out the field for me. Like, I want it as a story, and I think the only way to contain it as a story is I've just got to write it and do it. I think I've just got to write it, because Tatiana was like, you can just do it yourself. Why are you waiting? She's like, you've got to stop. Stop thinking like this, that you need to wait for somebody else. Just stop thinking like that. It's incredible, because your whole success is based on based not on, thinking know, that you've got to wait know, for someone else. I know, Just right? keep being you, and keep presumably doing, this yeah, happens. Keep doing <laughs> And I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think that's why I am getting to these blocks, because I think God or the universe, the comedy angels are going, Louisa, go back to what you know come on now 
Because they led me this far, like it worked me this far. Yeah. So maybe that's what, if I can just stop procrastinating and go on Facebook. Yeah, but if you didn't procrastinate and go on Facebook, you wouldn't have the mental anguish to be able to I write know, the jokes right? about how awful your life is. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible time. It's a balancing act, isn't it? You can't, do you it's ever worry easy. that you'll... This is something I used to ask on the show a long time ago. Do you ever worry that you'll run out? And what, is, what would that yeah. be for you? Like, presumably, if you get a happy life in a Hollywood movie, then mate. Mate, you've got no awful stories to tell. Done, right? Tell me about it. Well, well am I right? Like, people have said, oh, but the second you get a boyfriend, you're not... You're not going to have a career. I was like, damn right, I'm not. I'm going to be too busy having sex. I've got two years to catch up on. <laughs> you can all join. Do you know people now are like, when's your third show? Are you come back to Edinburgh next year? I was like, do you bitches have any idea how long it takes to write a show? Or do you think I just pluck them out the air like that? Do you think they're that quick to... No. Like, I, for me, a good Edinburgh show should last you a couple of years. There's no reason why it shouldn't. Um, my third show is going to be called Famous with a Baby. And it's going to write itself. And so I'm not writing it until real life writes it for me. Oh, God, I wish I had that kind of ethic towards it. Such, I wish I had that, that plan. No, but that's why it's you'll have longevity. My show is going to write itself. <laughs> How wonderful to wake up in the morning and go, oh, God, I wonder if this show's written itself. Yeah. Yes. I wonder what's going to happen though, today brilliant. that's going to be in it. Yeah. yeah that's, that's... I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, engage that in my own life at the moment because I am try, I'm trying to write another hour. Yeah. And I spent two years writing the last one and they've always got to be better so now yeah. I've got to write a show that's better in half the time but what I'm trying to do that's excellent that you is, do that that you've got that ethic well I'm just trying to not freak out and go oh my god how am I going to write anything I'm just trying to go just just keep turning up write two hours a day even if yeah. it's rubbish yeah 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 and then just keep turning up and doing yeah. that don't you think that's interesting because I think you wouldn't be doing this game if you weren't instinctively funny if you weren't naturally funny so the more we try and I don't know formulate it and make it you know logical and almost like structured the more you take away from your essence of funny which you are funny you wouldn't be in this if you weren't funny so I think it's learning to trust that instinct and playing with that like you did street performing for goodness sake like like you know it's in you you've got it in you so it's creating that environment for allowing it to come out naturally that's why I think improv's so good like improv and clowning because it allows allows that and there's room for that in stand-up as much as as much as importance should be placed on joke writing writing clever jokes and all that for me the importance is on learning to play like allowing your own funny to come out and making a note of it and is that your and we should end on this but is that your joke writing process where you <laughs> yeah. have a, like you what is it based on like talking on stage and then coming off and making yeah. notes about what you've said yeah how much do you take on stage with you when you're writing new stuff um so like an so like an idea like an idea of something i'll take on stage and then i'll develop it so um like at the moment i'm trying to develop this joke. I did, this is a really bad example to get because it's not a finished joke yet but like the word I don't know if I can say it. I can't say C-U-N-T. Can I say that? No. Of course you can. Okay. Oh, okay. Like cunt. I know people don't like the word cunt. So my thing is, at the moment, is why I would use cunt as a derogatory. Like, cunt is the most beautiful, life-giving source. Like, if somebody calls me a cunt, I should be like, thank you. What? Giving you the most ultimate pleasure you've ever known in your life. Like, are you welcome? Um, if you want to insult somebody, you should be like, call them something that means horrible. Like, you big tax return. That's a fucking insult. Like, like so it's going on stage and trying that so I'll do that I need to do that three four five six seven eight times and eventually it'll be a hey Stuart like it'll be a yeah okay but for now it's still an idea yeah 
But I'll only figure it out the more I go on stage. Yeah. Right, you're all going to judge me on that joke now. Listen, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard, guys. It's not as easy as it looks. And just see the solo shows, okay? They speak for themselves. What would be your advice to either a new comic or to yourself ten years ago? You know, if you had to, if you had to sum it up, what's the one thing that you're like, that this is what you should all be focusing on? Um. Oh, it's really cheesy. Just, my lecturer once said to me, to thine own self be true, like the Shakespeare quote, and I used to really like it, and I look back now and I'm like, it's always about that, isn't it? It's always about trusting your instinct. You wouldn't be doing a game this hard if there wasn't something intrinsically in your DNA to drive you to do it. It's not an easy job. You don't just pick it like, if it was easy, you know, if it was a choice, we would have left it, because I think it's a hard job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So just be, I think, to be true to yourself. And do Edinburgh, do Brighton, do it on the free fringe. Don't sit and wait for an agent to come get you. When you're ready, the right agent will come with you and we'll work together on your journey. Don't wait for somebody else. Do it yourself. And of course, hello, just think, what would Beyonce do? Thanks, Lou. Pleasure, thank you. So thanks to Louisa. What a fierce lady. What a load of energy and creativity and passion and all those things I feel too tired for, largely because of the owls. Um, This episode was co-produced by Nathan Wood. I've been Stuart Goldsmith, and I'll see you back here next week for episode 100 with the incredible Phil Kay. I've been saving this one up since Edinburgh. It's an absolute goldmine of sage advice mixed with utter lunacy as the wheels fall off the little gold cart in the uh, in the gold mine and um, remember you can donate at the website drop into itunes and rate the show i will speak to you soon thanks for listening planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.